0: Turn on, Turn, Turn on the radio. My homie got a new show, and it's time to play it's it. To play I it hope right. you got in tune. He talking tone. bigger business. Bigger he make, business. A make a lot of moves. Welcome talk. to the it's startup showcase. I'm your host Scott Cartoon. I think we've got a pretty solid show in store for you today. Where do we go with this? So, very first thing we're going to get into is the Y charts market update. I've got a couple pieces there. I guess. Do I apologize that we're going to talk about Tesla again? I don't really feel like there's anything else to talk about. There's a piece of information that recently came out um, that I think is interesting for everybody. The other other thing is, obviously, the market, there's this like fight between the bear and the bull. There's a whole bunch of investors who are writing things about uh, what I would say are pretty extreme um, potentials of a pullback. I think we all know that we're running on highs. Um, how low will it go back? I, I'm still kind of in the middle. I think that there's going to be... A major pullback but i also think that there's certain stocks tesla being one of them that are sort of like aligned to do well more or less regardless of whatever recession comes in uh within reason of course um i don't want to go into that i want to talk about some future stuff uh our guest who's going to call in and pitch today is from tenio block card it's a crypto company that is sort of the i mean listen you're going to have to learn about this at some time so so why not make it here um, they are putting together a, a concept. I mean, it's more than a concept. They're they're profitable and active now uh, that enables us to use crypto as money um, anywhere you go via Visa, which if any one of you who are listening and have kids or yourselves are interested or know anything about crypto, uh, it's really cool. And there's a whole bunch of applications with blockchain and everything else. But the problem is it's not really applicable in the real world. There's, there's no like you can't go to Walmart and just like pull out your phone and block, you know, I've got a blockchain wallet that has Bitcoin. I want to buy a bunch of toilet paper. It doesn't work that way. Uh, And so they have uh, potentially a solution to that, at least in its current iteration. And, you know, that's the application I think of. One of the applications that a lot of human beings on earth think of is the fact that like, let's give you an example. If I am a, you know, a kid from China who's here in the U S for school and I need money to buy books, if they were to wire or to send money uh, the traditional route, it could take days. Versus in this, it could be done instantaneously, uh, short up immediately, and the money is in the bank and it's minimal fees, if any at all. Um, they would use cryptocurrency to do it, but then it would end up in an actual bank where this person could use their block card uh, via Visa and buy the books. Long story short, you'll hear about that pitch. They'll, they'll go into the whole thing. I think it's interesting. I'm really excited about it. Um, but it opens up a conversation that I'm going to have after the commercial about the infrastructure that we currently operate on, and why this whole thing matters, why it's worth listening to, because not only does it have an impact, I think, in business coming up and, and things that you might care about, gambling and betting and things, uh, esports for the younger folks, but it also has a huge impact on how we do business and why we do business a certain way. So I'm going to go into that a little bit, really, as a precursor to the to the call and pitch. Before that, let's do a little Y charts uh, market update here. I just tweeted it out. You can follow me. Uh, at Katoon on Twitter and Instagram, anywhere else. DM if you've got questions. One of the questions that actually came in from last week, I'm going to answer this week towards the end of the show. Um, And also, I should say this. I don't know why I don't just lead the show every single... I should write this down. You can call in. I would love to talk to you. I like to hear feedback and have people talk about stuff. Um, The number for this is 312-981-7200. And what I'd like to say is, if if you're familiar... Uh, with any of the auto companies and how they're performing and and what they do. And you've seen some of them are up and down, and there's there's all kinds of issues and changing. I've seen bits and pieces of this in the news, but I've never seen a form like put together exactly like this. So I'm just going to read it. It's on Twitter. You can can find it at Katoon. So here we go. Audi, Daimler, Ford, GM. Collectively, their market cap is just shy of $170 billion. Tesla... On its own, right now, $166 billion. For a brief second, it was actually higher than all four of them combined. Key pieces of information. Revenue, so this is the last basically 12. Audi, $64 billion. Daimler, $194, $155 for Ford. And GM at $137. A total of $550-ish billion. dollars. Tesla, $24 billion. They're coming off of the best quarter of all time, $7.5 billion thereabout. Income on this is the key piece. On $64 billion in revenue, net income for Audi, 3 On 194 for Daimler, 4 and a half. Ford, $155.05. General Motors, $137.6 billion. Total collective income on $550 billion, $14.75 billion. Tesla, on a collective $24.6 billion, they lost 800 million, a little over $800 million, which we'd like to see them profitable. Their stock would go even higher. But look at them. That's insane. They had revenues of 25 ish billion as compared to Ford's 155 billion. And they had about the same amount of money. That is mind blowing. And it also speaks to, among other things, why it continues to fly. But what I will say is, one of the things that is particularly interesting about Tesla, as compared to all the rest of these, are some just key unit economics. And why I'm so interested in it, and, and I'll tell you, I keep talking about it because it is the biggest one, but there's a bunch of other companies, and I'll look into to see uh, for maybe the next show on some of these companies that we can look at. But it has the ability to make so much more money at so much better margin than everybody else out there. The reality is, and this is whether you think this is fair or not is a different conversation for maybe it's a podcast because that way I can drop F bombs as I read through it. The reality is, Tesla makes the same four types of cars, and you pay anywhere from $39,000 to $78,000 for Model 3. It is the same car. I am nearly 100% convinced if I tore down the Tesla, that I would find that it had all the capabilities of auto drive and self-driving and speed and efficiency and battery life, everything except for the dual motor. It does not have that, I don't believe. So all that happens is is I buy the other model and they just input a different code and it goes in and my car has all those capabilities. I think it's vaporware. I think all the cars are the exact same. And Whether you think it's fair or not is a different story. What I do think is interesting is that's one car that they have to just make A million times in a row versus Ford who has to make 50 different cars I mean not literally 50 although maybe more than that because it's all the different types of cars they make with all the different interiors and all the different structures and this has this and that and this and that and yeah I mean they've gotten good at having the chassis be the same but otherwise the cars are all unique Tesla it's a white interior black interior go get a paint job done and they can pump them out at a crazy pace, and they're starting to show that they can. The China thing, obviously, with coronavirus is a problem for them, but the German plan is, is moving ahead. All these things are rolling. The cars are incredibly inexpensive for them to create. They had a ton of R&D to make them, but now it's off to the races. And here's the thing. That's not even the coolest part. They have the charger network. I go all around driving all around the city, all around the suburbs, all around the country, and I see Voltas and charge points and all these other random you know, charging things. It takes me six hours to charge my car, three hours if I have a smaller car battery. I pay roughly the same price, but I also then have to pay $4 an hour or $10 an hour if I park it. Tesla, you're charging these cars in 30 minutes, from 2% to 90% in 30 minutes, like 7 or 8 bucks. And Tesla owns the stations, they own the network. So if you're a, a manufacturer of a car, right now, you are only, and you can't charge the other cars on Tesla stations t- today. You are reliant on third-party providers similar to gas. So what happened when Hummer was out and the gas prices went through the roof? Hummer sales plummeted. So if something goes weird with the charging stations that are third-party, the car manufacturers have to deal with it, whereas Tesla owns the station so it's it's all safe. It's good. It's good to go. So long as the stations or network are working. What that means is for any competitor, and that's everyone, Porsche included, who comes into the market with a new electric car, they're going to have to lease or pay Tesla a percentage. I mean, that's like the there are not a lot of companies out there that have, you know, what Porter's Five Forces calls a barrier, but that's one of them for sure that does. And to me, that's just craziness. Um, so the Tesla piece. Uh, There's going to be a lot more to come on that, and I'll obviously keep you guys updated on it as it comes through, but there are so many opportunities to invest in these companies that are building infrastructure, and that is what we're going to talk about after the break. Infrastructure on the financial side. uh, Talk a little bit about the the crypto to Visa component before we get the call-in. So we'll be back right after this. Mayor Lightfoot promising to revitalize the south and west side. Joe Donlin goes to Pullman to see how the money is being spent. WGN TV investigates Monday at 9. Okay, so we were just talking about... uh, well, stock market in general. We had one texter. I have to respond to this because I am a vain person, uh, referring to me not using the R word recession. Um, I just want to let you know I am not. There is no scare tactics here. I am as bullish as bulls come. Uh, I read a lot of these crazy sort of things where like they want to say that there is this huge pullback in the next ten years, blah blah blah. It is inevitable. We're running at all time highs. You look at the different markets, the S and P, uh, the tech sector. What I am saying is is that I think that there is going to be a pullback at some point. But the tech stocks in general, there is going to be a point which they rocket forward again. They have to, because they're going to be what changes, what does all the cuts, the job cuts, and things. It's all going to end up being run through tech. So somebody's got to win. It's not like normal where you're just like all oh, the stocks are relative. It's consumer only. This is not how it goes. So I do apologize if I frightened you with the R word. I did not mean to. Um, on the crypto side of this, here's what I want to get into, and this is really interesting. I'm, I'm a little glimpse into my kind of life, I guess, to to share this, but. Um, if you don't listen to the podcast on Technori, you should. It's here at WGN, so it's not some external thing here. Uh, I really like it because I get to sit down with CEOs and founders and people all the time. And I get the opportunity occasionally to go do lunches and things like that with some of these people who are shaping the industries of the future. And this is something that will relate to all of you. And it was not a context that I had for crypto. I, I always thought of it. I talked about this on a couple shows ago. I always thought of it in terms of an investment, like an equity, but it's more of a currency and we go into that whole thing. What I really, I guess, sort of didn't think about was why is it so vital other than the obvious globalization? Yes, yes, yes. Which are of course huge. I don't mean to brush over it, but like as a regular Joe, what is the, what's the point? Why are we, are we forcing this thing? Like, what is the reason? So anyway, I get a conversation with a couple of folks this last week, um, taking a very, myself included, taking a very strong interest in the potential uh, gambling opportunities that are going to be coming in the state of Illinois. And one of them in particular, and this is this is important, the way that the the laws are being written, the apps that you're familiar with, like FanDuel and DraftKings and those, can't operate in Illinois. They operate in a lot of other states, Jersey and Vegas and everything else, but they can't in Illinois. They are in Indiana. Um, so what? at least for 18 months, they can't. So for the first year, roughly... We're going to be working with book, bookies and, and, and bettors and bet markets all over the place in Illinois, Rivers Casino, who can do an online app, they can do a mobile app, and they can do online and web, and, but there's all kinds of rules around it, right? That is good for all the people who have been gambling off-site, which there's millions. Now that they can do that here... It's going to be more familiarizing themselves with sort of how the system works, and if you're not used to betting and, and investing and doing things on an app, this is going to get you familiar with it. It is addictive, folks, as, as has been very clearly denoted in the past, which means that more and more people are going to go deeper and deeper into it, which I am in for. Once the fan duels of the world get in, and they're actually providing you with a real technology infrastructure, not just some app that some dude threw up from a web, a real app like Robinhood, like any of the other investing tools we talk about. It is going to increase the volume of transactions substantially. It is going to increase the volume of the games with which you participate, because now in Illinois you can bet on games, and and the NFL stadiums agreed now to put some of these stations betting stations in the stadiums. So now your interest in betting on the Bears is going to grow to betting on the Cowboys, to betting on the Bulls, to betting on well, betting against the Knicks, uh, betting on the Lakers, betting on whatever, betting on baseball, betting on soccer, betting on golf. Golf is the big one. DraftKings does golf, and if you haven't done it, you should try it. Not that I'm trying to convince you to become addicted to gambling, but it's fun. You can choose how much money you spend. Don't go nuts. Just like investing. Don't put anything in you can't lose. But the point is, and this is what rounded it out for me, if I'm betting on three games and three sports simultaneously, And the game one ends, I'm not paid for days. And I want to turn around and place another bet. But I don't have the money in my account. Now, that's just me. Add up everyone I'm in, in my friends and network and family. And then add in everyone in Chicago. And Indiana, and New York, and Dallas, and on and on and on. It's insane. The volume is going to be insane. You can't have people betting or investing for that matter. Robinhood is the best app out there and it still took me six days to get the money that I just cashed out. It's too long. Now you can have a credit-based system, but what happens if I game the system and I take the money and I go home? It doesn't work. You need to have an infrastructure that enables you to settle your your deal immediately. I need to settle a transaction immediately and I need a digital record because in a world moving that quickly, people are going to cheat or they're going to try. And our current system is just flat out not set up for that. We're not in a situation where we can handle the volume. Now, I am just talking about you and me. I'm 35 years old. Me and you. You could be anywhere. You could be 100. I don't even care. Me and you, this is something that is kind of an issue. Maybe. Could be an issue. Everyone who's 28 and younger and anyone who's like 12 to 20, this is a reality. If you've ever, I, I'll just preface, if you're going to go check out your kid's knock before you go in the basement, just just a parental warning. Um, they're playing a game, streaming on Twitch. They're winning points and rewards playing Fortnite. They're, they're essentially leasing tools from the owners of Fortnite and from Microsoft Mixer and so forth. And they're compensated... Amongst each other in the game point system, and then offline they're betting using cryptocurrency. This is happening all over the place. If you think your kid's not doing it, you're you're kidding yourself. Once the big money opens and the games and all this stuff starts going, and it literally is going to a place where kids are transacting in real time so fast that they're buying a shield in a game during the game. I just Double-clicked, A, A, shift back. Actually, they're not doing that because they're using a keyboard, but you get the point. Arrow, arrow down. And they duck, and they come back up in one second later with a new shield that they bought in two clicks. That transaction has to happen in real time, and if the kid doesn't have money in their account, it doesn't go through, <laughs> they get killed in the game, they lose money, and they lose the game. All this stuff has to happen in real time. And cryptocurrency is the only way that that can happen in this current juncture. Crypto, blockchain is the internet again. It's, it's the 90s internet. What's missing is the real-time application. That's why this isn't happening. Right now, the patches are, we'll take crypto, convert it to Visa. Visa, you can shop anywhere, and it just shores it up right there in your account. The future future of this is really where Microsoft has its own token. The games have their own points and token, reward points, converted to token. Token is tradable on an open market, which is then tradable to a fiat. Maybe it's Bitcoin, maybe it's not. Maybe it's cash, maybe it's U.S. currency. I'm in this country, I'm in that country, there's transaction fees, one pays more than the other. All of these things have to be resolved. And by the way, that's just for the kiddos and the gambling degenerates out there. For me and you who are going to invest our money, for those of us who do it on our own self-directed investing, I don't want to wait to be able to put more money in Tesla before I think it's going to go up because I don't have my cash that's been, the transaction has been verified. I don't want to wait three days for Robinhood to put the money in or to take it out you're missing all the money. You're missing all the all the play. And so the this is why Jamie Dimon from Chase came out originally and was like, poo-poo, no, this is never going to happen. What he did is he bought time. He bought time for Chase to invest a ton of money in acquisitions and start building their own blockchain system so that they could move on with this and get involved. It's coming, folks. And it, I'm super excited about it, and I think everyone should be too because no one said you had to use it. You can still walk around with a bunch of jingle in your pocket and you'll be just fine. But for the rest of us, I don't want to wait, and I certainly don't want to pay transaction fees. The question that I'll leave you guys with is the the great hanger here, which maybe we can ask our guests when he come on, ultimately is going to be the decentralization. You don't have uh, regulations and fiduciaries that are looking over things. Maybe that's good, maybe it's not. I think that that whole thing is going to have to be resolved. Uh, the power issue is not a real thing that's made up uh, using how much power to compute these these transactions. I really do see a world where once we figure out a way for for the government and the banks to make sure that they get their finger in a little bit, uh, they'll go away because they know it's coming. So I, I, I'm just really excited to have the next pitch on Tenio, who's going to be calling in after we take our quick break here. Um, to be totally honest with you, I have as many questions about the investment as I do about the future of crypto and how this works, because I think that these are people who are working on the cutting edge. So if you want to call in or have questions or want to text in, um, and I I did see the 847 text in about the vegan baby formula. I will address that real quick when we come back. Um, It's called Else uh, Nutrition. I really like that, by the way. There's no way that it doesn't end up going. We'll we'll talk more about it um, after the commercial. But if you have questions and you want to learn more, like I want to learn more about the next company, as well as sort of where things are going crypto to Visa and, and how it all works, uh, you can tweet at me at Katoon. You can text in or call in at 312-981-7200. We will be back right after this. So I just tweeted this back out. Uh, thank you to the eight four seven six two four number that uh, texted in here. Talking about Else Nutrition, if you remember this, I think it was about three weeks ago, uh, we had them text in about the fact that Else Nutrition is a, a vegan baby formula, Um The only business that I know that does better than dog business and pet business is baby business. I know this now. I I thought it was insane. Now that I have a child, it is insane confirmed. People will buy literally anything. I I don't even have the stuff. I don't even know what, what it is and why we have it, but we do. And the kid loves it. So shout out to baby Vivi. She's probably playing with some of these toys right now. Alice Nutrition is a baby formula that's vegan. It's green, which is a huge movement among young folks. Anyone who's been following or tracking um, the Beyond Beef kind of madness, it's blowing up. Whether you like it or not, it's a different question. It is blowing up. Here's the deal. The Else Nutrition stock is up almost 50% in the past few weeks since it was mentioned. Uh, Interday trading is, uh, over the week was 70, oh, 75 cents a share. I just tweeted it out. I mean, it's it's legit. This is skyrocketing up. I I don't think it's got any any ceiling on it for the next little while. I mean, to me, it's not too late to buy in on it. Um, I did not, regrettably, but I should have. So shame on me. But uh, I, t- I tweeted out anyway, at Katoon, you can follow it and, and tweet there. Um, thank you to Charts for helping us provide the chart for it. Fantastic stuff. Okay, now back into crypto world. I am uh, going to welcome Ian to the line here. Ian, are you there? Doing well, man. Awesome. For having me on. No, of course. It's a- I appreciate having you on. And um, I got to tell you, I'm looking forward to your pitch, first off. Uh, we'll get through the all of the the business end of this real quick here. For anyone who's listening, you should already be aware of this. Everything here is equity crowdfunding. You go to republic.co slash turnio dash block card, and that should take you to the to the uh, to the page. Right now, they are doing a fantastic job. If I'm not mistaken, you guys have raised well over three hundred thousand dollars. There's still a significant amount of time left, so you are definitely one of those companies that I think is uh, well potentially hits that million dollar mark which we've had a handful of i believe about six of the companies that have pitched on here have raised the full million to do so at the end of this conversation we'll talk more about the terms and all that stuff so we'll get into that later but go register to invest on republic you can invest in this stock for a minimum of a hundred dollars um let us have your pitch and then i'm just going to nerd out a little bit with you and ask some questions. About how this whole <laughs> thing works, and and I've got a couple of people who have tweeted into me uh, that I'll ask some questions for as well. So why don't you give us the pitch now?
1: I love it, Hey, man, appreciate the uh, kind words. appreciate the time. Uh, I am the founder of Turnio. Um, as you kind of alluded to, we are very focused on the cryptocurrency market. Um, basically, we see a world where uh, cryptocurrencies and fiat currencies will interact in one kind of seamless platform, basically taking all the benefits of blockchain and crypto and this magic Internet money called Bitcoin while interacting with the legacy uh, financial systems like the Visa card network, ACH, things of that nature. Um, so you can think of it as almost a bank on the blockchain. Uh, where we're at today is we have a, a debit card, a Visa debit card that's live in the United States, all 50 states. That card basically enables you, the consumer, to take your Bitcoin, your Ethereum, a number of different cryptocurrencies, and spend them anywhere in the world. Visa is accepted. You can also uh, take your card. You can go into Walmart, CVS. You can deposit cash on that card. Uh, A number of different features. In the next 30 days, uh, we're going to be rolling out FDIC-insured checking accounts, so basically not just giving people a way to take their cryptocurrency and spend it in the real world, but also take their U.S. dollars or their British pounds, wherever, and actually onboard that, convert that into cryptocurrency, because ultimately our mission is to bring the next 200 million people into crypto. And in order to do that, we need to give them tools that they're already familiar with that kind of lets them dip their toe in the water before they go all the way down the rabbit hole. And that's what Turnio's mission is.
0: Uh, I love it all the way. Uh, by the way, uh, the card is, is very sexy. That, that card is very old school looking. I dig it. Um, What I want to go into is a couple things. I want to learn a little bit of how you guys make money. Um, I totally get the market. I I think I talk about it enough in the show that we don't have to go into like what the potential of the market means. But I'd love you to re sort of re go into a little bit or deep dive a little bit into why there has been this resistance to crypto and it's not just about how crazy the stock or the prices of it go up and down the fluctuation and all of that is is certainly a a thing that attracts some and attracts away others but there's this like real world application component of it so we're going to go into that after but talk me a little bit about how you guys make money how does it compare to what people might already know
1: yeah, it's great. So we basically make money um, through our our platform, right? We'll make money today uh, primarily based upon the card program itself. And so what that means is that when you use um, our card, basically we call our brand block card, um you can actually go out, you spend it, Visa has a rate negotiated with that merchant. Um, and that's called the interchange rate. And basically, uh, the merchant pays Visa a percentage of the consumer's purchase, and we get a percentage of that. And obviously, as we scale that, that becomes, um, well, we have economies of scale. That's probably yep. the best way to put it. Yep. Now, furthermore, we, we've we kind of taken the approach of we don't want to be a walled garden, right? We don't want to say, hey, you have to use BlockCard, which is our brand, and I hope you check it out at getblockcard.com. But we actually figured, hey, a rising tide lifts all ships. So we've built this really powerful, cool platform. It's got digital banking capabilities, card capabilities. Let's go out there and empower any company with a digital asset to use this same great technology, but take it to market under their own brand. And so we've signed uh, over 10 white label partnerships. Some of the the better-known ones are the Litecoin Foundation, uh, as well as Bitcoin.com. Basically, companies uh, that have their assets, like LTC, will be able to launch their own branded card using Turnio's technology. They'll be able to give their consumers the ability to either spend Litecoin or buy Litecoin with our platform, um, and essentially, we get a percentage of that revenue as well. So again, we want to give this cool technology out to everybody, but not not block anybody or say, hey, you have to use blockcard our direct-to-consumer brand, um, and not use your own. Does that make sense?
0: It, it makes perfect sense. And to be honest, I mean, I think it's kind of one of the interesting things that there are other people out there who have their own cards, obviously. Um, but the thing about it is, like Nordstrom's or Amazon or any of those, they have such scale that they're good to go regardless, but everybody else that doesn't have that kind of repeat consumerism, they, it is no value to them. It's, it's really just them paying fees. So their ability, I mean, this is, this is a really dumb analogy, but in a lot of ways, this reminds me of my barber who bought his own ATM machine and put it in his own space so that he can make money on that instead of paying money out. And that I think is like kind of where you're at with this is like you can get the general consumer to use it those who are already familiar with crypto this is a great opportunity for those that are not or for businesses that want to cater to those people they have their own card and they can rely on your technology is that a fair assessment.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, I feel like we're even though we've been, you know, Bitcoin's been around for 10-plus years, we're still in the very nascent stages. And unfortunately, oh, sure. I think the, the nature of the space today is that people treat cryptocurrencies like sports teams. And it's like if there's so much infighting and tribalism today, we're not going to get to the, the holy ground. I mean, me personally, I'm drinking the crypto Kool-Aid. I believe in cryptocurrencies. I believe in blockchain as a technology. I don't, you know, they're not mutually exclusive to me. But I, what I realized is that there's so much power here and, and things like cross-border remittances is a huge industry. And crypto can make it so, you know, you can take a stable token and send that cross-border to somebody for fractions of a penny. And you can literally take somebody like a MoneyGram out of the market who's charging 10% of the total balance. But the, the problem is, is that if there's so much infighting now and we don't take this, this zero-sum game approach, we could shoot ourselves in the foot. And that's why we've been able to kind of develop this really cool technology, go to our partners and say, listen, It's agnostic. It's platform. It's blockchain agnostic. It's crypto agnostic. You use it how you want. You, as our partner, define what asset is being spent. But your users are getting the benefit from it. It's quicker, cheaper, easier to spend your cryptocurrency or to buy cryptocurrency than any other platform out there. Um, And we want to empower your users to have that. Um, And and I'll be be honest, you know, once we kind of explain this to our partners, they're like, this is a no-brainer. So the, the reception has been tremendous. Um, and we're seeing a lot of success. Like I said, not just on our own brand, but also on our our, our partner brands.
0: Well, I, I believe I'm quoting this properly. There was there was a billion dollars uh, transaction on Bitcoin. It cost about ten dollars.
1: <laughs> like absolutely, damn. yeah, yeah. And you know, depending upon the the network usage and the fees at the time. Um, but it's yeah, it's tremendous. And here's the thing too: it's not it's not You know, Bitcoin's a great store of value. Ethereum's a a tremendous piece of technology with their smart contracts. Stellar is a great uh, cryptocurrency and and blockchain because of the, the low transaction. And every crypto has its own benefit, right? And everybody sees value in it for whatever their personal reasons are. We don't care what those reasons are. We just want to enable people to get in and out of them because... The opportunity size is so significant
0: so you hit on two things there, and I think they are you obviously the, the fact that people bicker about which one they want to use and don 't use uh, I do agree with you that that creates confusion in the market. Um, what I do think is really interesting about it though is the lack of real time application for those who are in eSports using different cryptos back and forth it 's really not an issue to them the, uh, most of them are uh, sophisticated enough to know how to trade and, and to you know to exchange their different coins and tokens. But the average Joe sees this as a useless utility because they can't go into Walmart and use it, and you're making that happen. So can you talk a little bit about sort of the the reasons that you feel like this is a necessary piece of the puzzle in order for people to be able to particularly get involved with crypto?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great question. If you think about the very first time that you bought cryptocurrency, right, it's a, it's a scary process. You basically take your real money and you put it into the internet, right, and you get this internet money back but you have to manage your public keys your private keys if you don't have the right private key you lose all your money if you send it to the wrong address you lose all your money and so it's it's scary and honestly people want speed and they want convenience and that's why we felt something like a visa debit card is something that anybody understands anywhere you go in the world right and it's a great way to get them uh acclimated to the benefits of crypto how i can spend it and then they go down the rabbit hole of of things like cross-border remittance and that i mean if you think about how many people in the world are unbanked. It's about $1.7 right? But everybody has a cell phone. And if you have a cell phone, you can have a cryptocurrency wallet. And if you can have a cryptocurrency wallet, then you can earn money. But now, how do you interact with the legacy payment systems, right? And that's, that's Visa, that's MasterCard, that's UnionPay, any of those card companies. And so you need to give them a seamless way to get in and out of that cryptocurrency without needing to rely on a bank if you can't get access to a bank today. Um, and so the cross-border applications are tremendous, where – um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, block card. Our program is live in the U.S. today. We're going to be going live in actually 31 uh, European countries in the next 90 days. So when you have that, now you immediately have a fiat on-off ramp where I can take money, I can put it on my block card. I can take, you know, U.S. dollars, put on my block card. I can send it instantly to somebody in Germany. That person in Germany can take it, put it on their card, and spend it immediately. And now what you've done is you've removed uh, having to go to a physical bank where maybe they're only open from you know 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Yeah. You've removed a lot of the fees in terms of what the bank charges you, but also the interchanger, um, like the Forex rates, and it makes it that much more convenient. Plus, people here in the U.S., right? Same, same issue, you know, if you work um, odd hours, let's say, and you want to send money to somebody, uh, and it's 10 o'clock at night, well, now you can walk into Walmart, put that money on your block card, transfer it to somebody, they can put it on their card, uh, take it right out, and spend it. So that's what we're trying to do, that movement of money, make it better, faster, more efficient, leveraging blockchain technology, but still having it interact, like I said, with the ACHB, the payment um, systems that are already set up in um, ubiquitous today.
0: Well, you've sold me on it. Obviously I'm, I'm not hard to sell on this concept, uh, but I would love to kind of gauge from you uh, why so right now the value cap is at 15 million, 20% discount on a hundred dollar minimum investment for the crowd. safe. I think we've gone through the, the safe note thing enough on the show, people have questions. They can just tweet at me at Katoon um, on Twitter, or Instagram, wherever you want to do it. Um, can you walk us through kind of your terms and what you feel is the value of investing in this company?
1: Absolutely. Well, I mean, I will say this is that, you know, the way we came to our valuation is that we, um, we've been bootstrapped. We took one uh, small $300,000 investment when we got started. Uh, that was actually at a $15 million valuation as well. So now we're obviously much further along, about a year and a half later, and Republic investors are still getting that same valuation cap, but obviously with a discount, right? Because the nature of any uh, any business is that it's hard to value something when you're building it very early on. Um, but based upon kind of that hockey stick growth that we have we have built out, we see our pro forma being about twenty to thirty x what our first year's revenues were. So year one, we did about one point two million. Uh, year two, which was last year, we did about forty percent growth, so about one point eight uh, million in top line revenue. Um, and this year we're gonna be well I, I, we're already pacing well above what we forecasted. So I don't want to shoot myself in the foot, um, so I'll leave it at that, but Basically the way we've got to that that 2030x pro forma based on um, our first year's numbers is really through our white label and that's something that nobody else does today. Anybody who does have a card program live today they basically say you have to use our card in our brand the way we designed it and there's no flexibility. Yep. Well that's a silly way to do it, right? You don't want to you don't want to exclude people, but as I said, you know, Litecoin Foundation, well think about how many people today hold Litecoin, right?
0: Yeah, what no, if they had a card
1: totally. and easy way to spend it. Millions of users, right? And then as you that, that those numbers just become exacerbated. Um, over all the different partners we have, like I said, Bitcoin.com, a number of different exchanges. I don't want to name them all right now on, on the radio, but... Um, no
0: one's it, listening. It's, it's fine. Just it's like name them
1: say. all. <laughs> um, Dude, no, hundreds, I know. have millions of listeners here.
0: I, I totally dig this. Um, I, I, lo- I I agree with you, all of the things that you said. We have a question from, uh, from a call-in right now. If we can bring Raymond into the show, he's got a question for you, Ian. Hey, Raymond. How are you doing? Hi, hey, Raymond. I good, hi guys. Um, I'm just wondering how you mitigate uh, the risk of seizure from the government because a lot of the drug cartels
1: use digital cryptocurrency to channel funds. and there's been a lot of issues recently where cryptocurrency companies have kind of gotten hit by the government for you know because essentially you are making money when they use the service. So how do you guys mitigate your risk with that when it comes to that for your investors? That's a great great question. Let me unpack a couple things right there. First off, I would say uh, if you do your, your kind of due diligence on the blockchain, blockchain is actually uh, a much easier way to track the flow of funds and who owns those funds uh, versus something like fiat currencies, right, paper money, the Mexican do- you know, U.S. dollars, British pounds, whatever, so on and so forth. And so there's plenty of companies right now that um, enable that kind of tracking of funds so that you know it's not coming from illicit purposes. Um, two, I would say that anybody who signs up for a block card account, Uh, you need to pass KYC, right? And the nice thing about our KYC process is if anybody's ever gone to an exchange, crypto exchange, uh, they needed to essentially register, you have to fill out all your information, but then you have to take a manual photo, right? Take a photo of yourself, write this on a piece of paper, put on a hat, and it takes a couple days to do it. We've been able to make our KYC process easy, quick, where essentially you can sign up, have an account in five minutes, your KYC is either instantly approved or denied. 80% of the time, you get people approved immediately. 20% of the time, you do have to go through a manual process, so I don't want to mislead you there. Um, and then we also give people, after passing that KYC, a virtual card, which they can use immediately, and then we ship them a physical card uh, seven to ten days later. So that KYC process has become very quick, uh, and that's not something that anybody else has today. In addition uh, to your question, Raymond, about the government, is that we have been registered with the SEC. We've uh, registered with FINRA. Obviously, the fact that we're running a card program, we need to have approval by Visa. We need to have approval by a bank. Um, I will say this. There have been plenty of other companies in the space who have tried to launch card programs, um, and they did not have the approval of Visa or the bank or even the government, right? And they got shut down. And the thing is, is that you can't, you can't move fast and break things, kind of the, the tech ethos, uh, when you're dealing with people's money. And so, Attorney, we've taken the slower approach of being regulated, uh, kind of going through those steps. It, wasn't, it didn't uh, allow us to be the first to market, but it also gave us the time to explain with Visa with the bank what we're trying to accomplish. And once they understood that we were compliant with KYC AML laws, that we weren't trying to skirt any rules, they were like, absolutely, this looks great. And so that that more foundational approach of taking time and working with regulators has actually been to our benefit. And that's something that we're going to obviously continue as we expand globally.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Ian. Thank you for the call, Raymond. I appreciate the call. And i got another text message that I'll address after the commercial. Ian, thank you so much. Uh, As always, we'll be tweeting out uh, the link to the Republic page. You can register. You can invest in them. You can follow up with Ian or follow up with me uh, with any questions you might have. Uh, Ian, thank you so much. Best of luck in the campaign. And uh, I think you won at least one investor here today.
1: Scott, I love it, man. Thank you for having me on, and I'm going to get you a blog card. Hit me up after the show. Uh, Thank you so much.
0: Awesome. Thanks a lot. Take care. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial commercial break, and then I'm going to come back and uh, maybe talk to the producer here a little bit about his experience in crypto. Back with this. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. We've got one more text message that I'm going to go through real quick here. We had uh, Edward who said, thanks. Uh, Let's see here. Edward who said, um, does this not facilitate... Uh, Drug dealers and terrorists. So here's the thing. I mean, and I also have a a Twitter DM that I think is also kind of ties into this. Um, Yes and no. I mean, right now and even less now than before, um, there wasn't a lot of regulation, obviously, and there wasn't a lot of bandwidth for people to really be paying attention, nor was there enough value to be paying attention. And so, yes, there were the Silk Roads of the world that that took advantage of this sort of quote unquote anonymous uh, currency that people are using. The reality is, in the future and even now, it's actually more, uh, as Ian kind of went into, it's actually more um, honest, I guess you could put it that way. So people have a certain string that's tied to them. The government is not looking at it now because they just weren't, uh, but they are starting to. And the reality is, as we start getting into time uh, of this being a common use case in the world, there will be less and less opportunity for drug dealers and terrorists to facilitate exchanges of cash or money using cryptocurrencies because you'll know exactly who it is and shutting down a network can be as simple as identifying a bad network. Um, so I'm, I'm less worried about that in the future. Uh, I, listen, it's not any more of a reality than someone taping money to their body and getting on a plane. So there's people who want to scam a system are always going to be able to scam a system at least some way. The reality is that I would prefer to have a secure way to know who is the identity behind this number and exchange that money. Now, if they want to go through all the effort of of 52 exchanges between different currencies before they turn it over, uh, (laughs) at some point they're going to stop them. The second question that came in through Twitter that I think is actually interesting because it goes into that same role, is why, the question is, why would the government or banks who are currently making all their money the way they are want to enable or allow this? That's a great question. That's a fantastic question. So what I would return with is, why would all of these different clothing and um, you know manufacturers of, you name the product, vacuums, household stuff, whatever, why would they want Amazon to have the ability to sell at their own predetermined prices their product and handle the shipping and distribution and all the things that previously... Those companies could rest assured that they were going to deliver the product in a timely manner. It was going to be real. It wasn't broken, yada, yada, yada. The answer is that they didn't want this to happen, but it happened anyway. Amazon got the the power, the, the audience, the consumer user base that made it easier for all these other groups to be able to make this work. And so they, they had to give into it. And I think the government and all of the financial groups are aware of it as well. And they know that it has to... Uh, they have to play along at some point and they're going to lose everything. Because as you just noted before with the terrorists, they just went around it. So the same thing can be happening here. That is my show for today. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks for the calls, the texts, the tweets. Uh, appreciate it very much. As always, download the podcast at Technori. Follow me or Technori at Technori or at Katoon. Boom, that's a wrap.